Good day, and welcome to Retizio's Unlocked Digital Commerce podcast. This is the show where we explore the latest trends in technology in the fast-moving world of digital commerce. In this interview-style podcast, we ask the important questions of expert digital commerce practitioners and retail leaders to help you gain traction and sell more online. In our conversation today, we're delving into a topic that is the backbone of any successful e-commerce venture, and that is integrations. And we figured who better to explore this subject with us than an expert who every day through his company is pushing the boundaries of e-commerce integrations. We are honored to have Wally Ibrahim, the CEO of Jive, joining us today. Wally has been in the commerce technology world from front end to supply chain for 20 years. He believes every business is an e-commerce business, and his passion is providing them with practical technology solutions. Welcome, Wally, and we appreciate you being here and are looking very forward to your insights today. Thank you, partner. Um, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. We also have, as always, Tony Morris lending his expert insight and opinions on all things related to digital commerce. He's the, currently the Chief Technology Officer at Retizio. Back, Hey, Wallace. thanks, Brett. I appreciate it. Looking forward to talking yeah. to you again, Wally. Yeah. Okay. Let's we'll start the conversation today, and I'll just start with Wally with a question, and we can see how the conversation goes. So maybe just to give us a, from a high level perspective, Wally, why are and for laymen in the audience, which include myself, why are integrations and e-commerce so important to online businesses? Yeah. Great question. I think it's always been important. You know, it, 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 back in the day when e-commerce was new, maybe you had your e-commerce platform, you still had to get that order down to a warehouse at the very least, fulfillment systems, so on. And I think this is not so much an e-commerce problem anymore in terms of how things are changing, but as things have regressed, more software is being provided in two different ways. I shouldn't say two different ways, but in, in mostly through a SaaS product online offering. And the other thing that's happening is that there are more point solutions out there. So it used to be that you would buy one large software package, maybe two or three, you'd integrate them together, you'd buy servers, get your IT department to get everything together and figure out how to fit it together. That's really not what's happening anymore, right? A lot of the really best solutions that are out there are, are point solutions to solve one problem, right? So you've got shipping solutions, tax calculation engines, order management systems, marketplace management systems, e-commerce systems, marketing systems of all sorts in e-commerce. And they're all provided as solutions that are independent in individual silos online. Now, that's great in one sense that you can sign up in many ways and use them all, right? Or for each one of them, but they don't always work together. And even when they do, they may not work the way that you intended to. So one of the reasons integration is so important is just simply because if you really want to build a best of breed system, you have to have a selection of best of breed software and that selection has to work together. And that's where integrations comes in. You have to have it all work together, whether it's your customer management platform, call it CRM, e-commerce system, all of that. If you really want best of breed across the board, you're probably going to be selecting point solutions these days. And those point solutions have to work together and they have to work together with however your business model works. So uh, integrations is critical in the sense that you're always gonna need the order to go down to some system, right? So those are the business, what we call business critical integrations. And so that's complex enough when you're choosing a bunch of point solutions, but 
as you're choosing different systems that go beyond just what's business critical, what is on the critical path of getting an order down, you need them to all be integrated in order for any of it to make sense. Yeah, we, we've got some listeners, some are relatively new, some of this, this kind of stuff is old hat. Integrate, I totally agree, right? Integrations have always been the keystone of a successful implementation. It's, there's no such thing as a system that has only one part. I think sure. back in the day, we had systems that were made up of small numbers of very large parts. And now that's changed to large numbers of small parts. Exactly. But back in the day, most of it was data-driven, right? Processes were serial. First you did this, then you did that, then you did the other thing. And the thing you were trying to get right is that the data was appropriately extracted, transformed, load, etl right? On or between those steps. That landscape... I believe has changed, right? The nothing serial, the speed at which people happen, you expect things to happen, the amount of choices you can make or the branching between. I'm curious, tell us what's your opinion on how the focus has shift or changed or any new challenges that the rise of composable commerce, the shrinking of best of breed, the, the popularity of mock. Does that kind of change the way you guys approach integrations and the importance they have? Yeah, that's, wow, that's a lot there. So I think you hit the nail on the head, first of all, saying it was a small number of large systems, and now it's a large number of small systems. To play into the entire idea of, of mock composable commerce, that's all great. And it I'm not saying that sarcastically. That is great. That is, I think, from a technical perspective, the way technology and the industry needs to go. You need, If you're going to have a, a large number of small systems, they, they're only going to work together if they are composable. But you need a composition layer, right? A layer that integrates them all. That's how we view the world, is we're not there to solve your individual business problem on one individual fulfillment system one individual digital delivery system, uh, marketing system, content management, so on, where they're to say, you have a large number of small systems, you need to compose them and get them together, right? Composable doesn't mean that they are composed. It means that they're composable. How do you compose them? And, and the answer to that is integrations. And there's a few levels of integrations, of course, right? But classically, you're going to say there's backend integrations, and then there's integration of the screen, right? Where... So you call it single sign-on, one part of that integration of the screen, meaning data coming from multiple systems on one screen, but then there's backend integrations, of course, which typical example of that of e-commerce, of course, is like setting an order from your e-commerce system to your order management system or warehouse yeah. system, inventory management system, synchronizing inventory at the back end. And that's more necessary because, again, to, to use your phrase, again, it's a large number of small systems. And if you're going to pick best of breed systems, which I think is the right way to go, you're going to, the best way you're going to do it is, is to pick point solutions that are great at what they do and then compose them to work with each other. Yeah, that's really important. And I understand that. But like, I have, this is a personal issue, right? Mm -hmm. Sorry for venting, right? But like, I have, I use a Mac and I have an iPad, right? 
and I don't use the iPad quite as much as I use the Mac. I'd like to use it more because it's more portable and yada yada. But for those of us who are old enough to remember the portal days, I uh, feel yes. like I have this device with lots of little independent portlets or apps on them that might do what they do. And I've got the option to select from multiple apps that do the same thing, better or worse, or however they fit my needs. But I still struggle daily with the interoperability between those apps, which is why I prefer to work on my Mac, right? Because I can leverage the operating system. And I, yeah, I, I like to explain people when they ask about mock, I say, look, it's really the natural shrinking, the best of breed, right? You used to take the best e-commerce, the best OMS, the best search and put them together. Now you mm. can go into just one of those systems and you can say, I'll pick on e-commerce, right? You can take the best, the best cart, the best promotion engine, the best pricing engine, Right. So you're doing the same thing. You're making them smaller, but you still run the risk of can you leverage that individual solution to its fullest potential if you're missing the quote unquote operating system? Exactly. And when I first heard about Jive, like I got excited about it because I won't describe it as an operating system, but it's it seemed to look after some of those things I'm worried about. Can you? Yeah. Yeah, Talk to it, us about it, it, it's funny that you say that term operating system because internally, so obviously we've been known as in an integration platform specifically focused on e-commerce, but internally what we like to talk about is being a business operating system. So going beyond just moving an order, going beyond just calculating tax, not calculating tax, let's say, but making an API call to integrate tax engines and to say, we're an operating system for business. And so what's the difference there? And it's really to say, there are nuances in the way that, that different point solutions work. And integrating them and just moving messages between them is really not enough. And I'll give you a really simple scenario that we've run into a few times. You've got two systems, right? You've got your e-commerce system, you've got your order management system, and you need to run a refund. All right. So... You can run a refund either in the order management system because somebody who's on the order management system realized that this item's not in stock. You might run a refund on the e-commerce system because that e-commerce system, for some reason, says, hey, something went wrong. Or the user went in and said, I'll issue the refund through here. You might issue it through a reverse logistics solution where the user themselves, the customer, is going in and requesting a refund. All right, that's great. but the problem that you run into when you do these things is realize there are nuances in even what the definition of that is, right? Somebody might say, one system might say, look, a refund is you bought a $100 order, you want a $20 refund. Another system will say, no, you're returning this one item, we'll issue this refund. All sorts of little nuances of how things are calculated. And you can go through each one of those. At the order, issues. at the line item. Exactly. Do you include yeah. the shipping? Do you include exactly. the tax? Right. Is there a promotion? Do you have to split that up across three different, yeah. all of that nonsense? So now we can integrate all that, and we do, and make it synchronized between three different systems and reconcile the order properly. But at the end of the day, if the data is not being captured from the user, 
that is pro- that, that's proper, right? One system might capture what the total refund is, but really does it captures the order level, like you said, but not at the line item level. Another system captures line item level. And so how do you reconcile that between different systems? We can work all sorts of magic to do that, but the real answer is to say, look, none of these systems fully capture what a refund means for this business, because what it really means is capturing the full details that all three systems need in order to operate properly. What we really do is issue another screen where the user can then go in and say, and this is what we talk about when we say a business operating system, but another screen where the user can go in and say, I'm going to issue a refund and it's going to propagate to those other systems. So when we talk about integrations or internally, like I said, business operating system, we I like to talk about the two I's, the APIs and the UIs, right? User interfaces and application programming interfaces. And classically in integrations, you're only talking about APIs. We like to include all interfaces there because an integration is not going to be complete unless you actually, a lot of times, capture some other either extra information from a user through a UI or sometimes have to initiate it through a UI because nothing in those systems that have to work together, for example, to go back to the refund example, to capture the details of that refund, none of those systems capture all the details that all of them need. So you really need a third screen where the user can say, I'm issuing a refund here now. So this actually works really well if you look at it from a composable commerce perspective, right? I'm taking a bunch of APIs essentially that all need to understand something, some piece of what that refund means. Neither one of them is gonna allow me to enter it into their native screens. I'm adding another interface, a user interface, not an API interface, but a a user interface where the user can then give me the details of what that refund is. And then that integration will then propagate that refund properly throughout those systems. Yeah, pardon me for being cheesy, right? But the two I's make an us, right? There's no I in team. And at the end of the day, we're building a system, right? And it's about how those parts interact, cooperate, and really align toward a mission that determines whether the system is good at what it's doing or not. Absolutely. And in some ways, that's a new problem, right? Because to go back to your description of it used to be a small number of large systems, it wasn't as big of a deal, right? Because you had a small number of large systems. Maybe you had one, two, three systems. You had one system, old monolithic way of building software that executed whatever you needed. But if I have 10 point solutions that now execute that, where do I go? Where do I start? Yeah, and look, I the other trend, maybe it's not a separate trend, maybe, maybe they go hand in hand, but I feel not only are there more point solutions, and I don't mean any disrespect with, all, oh, you're just a point solution, because as things get smaller, right? <laughs> But three opinionated people can probably decide where to go to dinner. A hundred opinionated people probably can't, right? And systems are increasingly becoming more opinionated. And I know like the larger software houses out there, they used to say of computer associates, we build software the old fashioned way, we acquire it. They struggle. They, they go out and they take, they find these best of breed or best for them breed and try to put together suites. And they have this collection of 
in some cases, very opinionated subsystems that they're trying to create a system out of. A long time ago, I put pen to paper because I was just drawing stuff up and thinking about, hey, wouldn't it be cool to design an API gateway that used machine learning to kind of watch what's coming in and what's coming out, to, to watch the payloads, to mm -hmm. learn over time, you know, what this thing is doing rather than asking it what it's doing. And could we eventually suppose how to do a new thing by combining the different APIs that ran through this gateway? And I get, I kind of stopped at the time. I don't think it was plausible to pursue that. I won't lie. I did have a Sarah Connor moment and uh, maybe I don't want to be a part of that generative AI kind of stuff. But one of the things that I'm looking at it going, is it ever, would it ever really be possible to just observe these things from the outside and say, oh, I understand not only what you're doing, but why and how you want to do it as a subsystem and connect the bigger picture, which is what is the whole system really trying to do? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there's two really good points there that actually were, I think, core to our founding, right? One that you hit on, which is how do I look at the entire system and not just a subsystem? But the other one was the machine learning AI aspect. And that really came out of a frustration for me of seeing these same or similar integrations being built, reused, not reused, I should say, should be reused, not reused, and built over and over again and customized over and over again, really in the same way. Um, and the, the Yeah, like I've never seen two order records that were the same. And I've never seen two order records that were so different, they warranted being different. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yet we seem to integrate, especially like in the marketplace space where, you know, what's important about an order it totally depends on whether you're a buyer or a seller or an operator. Right? It, 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 I think it, it even goes beyond that, right? It depends on your role. Are you in accounting? Because if you're in accounting, you're looking at things like cost of goods sold and line item level things. If you're in marketing, you're looking at different things. So, you know, what is an order, right? An order means something different to a marketing person, a person in order management, a person in logistics. They're looking for different things out of that order. So this is also why I think integrations is actually surprisingly hard, right? Because it, it seems really simple. All right, one-to-one, -one. I have an order, Point A, I want to move it to point B. Okay, we started with an order. We defined conceptually what that is. But what is point B? Am I moving to a, a, a marketing system that's going to analyze that order and look at it in aggregate, look at a bunch of orders in aggregate and try to help me with something? Or am I really concerned about it from an accounting perspective? Or am I looking at it from an inventory perspective, a shipping perspective? An order is not an order is not an order across those systems. In fact, some of them may not even call it an order. And then, but even if you step back, even two systems that are competing with each other as in two soft pieces of software, let's call it two point solutions that really execute the same function are still really not one-to-one. -one. And if they were, it would be commoditized and there really wouldn't be a point in buying one or the other wouldn't really matter. You'd say, who cares, it's commoditized. 
but that's not really the case. And that's really almost never the case with software outside of things like HTTP servers and virtual machines on Amazon or whatever. When you talk about business applications, they're never commoditized. There, there's no two e-commerce systems that are the same. So, so what an order is not an order is not an order. So obviously there's insight in putting these things together. And maybe at least today, those are beyond machine intelligence or automation. So there, there's some human touch there. But like, what opportunities do you see in this integration space for MLAI? Which of you at Jive kind of capitalized on? Is it just in the making it faster, more secure, and less re- less redundant work? Or have you gone beyond that? Yeah all the above in a way. So I think there's a lot of buzz around AI right now, especially with ChatGPT, Generative AI, and even slightly before that, by a few months, there were things like Starry AI and all the stable diffusion, all of the image generation stuff. So it's all really impressive. Having said that, what's it good for? And so I see a lot of companies approaching, when I say a lot of companies, mostly technology companies, approaching AI by saying, we're going to take our product and we're going to slap the letter GPT on the end. And that's our new product. And what are they really doing there? They're just putting a new user interface on. So instead of clicking a button to track my shipment, I'm going to ask the AI where the shipment is. Cool. That's actually harder, right? I'd rather just click the track button on my email than log in and talk to the AI about it. I don't need that. I don't need a chat AI there. But a lot right, of but it's very Star Trekky, right? You can hear Montgomery yeah, there's, there's Scott saying, "Yeah, yeah." I don't look at AI that way. I think AI is a tool. It's a very generic tool, and so there's something to be said there. But it's a tool. So the way I like to look at it is this: is that AI does not do away with any of the processes that we have put in place as an industry for years now. Right. Whether it's a software industry, whether it's commerce. Whatever it is, however you want to apply to it, it doesn't do any of those. All those processes are in place for a reason. What we can do is look at that life cycle, say, where can we apply this tool? And there are some ways you can apply it today that's better, but not. So to give you a few examples of how we've applied it. So for example, one way is just data management, data scrubbing, right? You've got a bunch of vendors that want to, that you're, that are feeding you data. So obviously that just goes into plain integrations, right? You're right. going to sell Normalize a bunch of money website. Schema, yeah. Translate. Uh, they're sending it in different formats and that can change day to day. And one of the problems that happens when you're in that scenario is that you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to add a new attribute to my product catalog. I'm going to say gender, right? As one example. All right. So I add that attribute and now I've broken every integration or at least I've, in the, in the best case, I've made, I added a new optional thing and I've an optional field. And now those vendors have to now consider whether they want to use that field or not to populate whether their product is gender specific. So and whether it's Boolean or free form. Yeah, or exactly. Or, yeah. So when you have thousands of integrations, and that's not an exaggeration to say thousands, we dealt with it. And I'm sure you guys have seen it too. E-commerce, that's normal. You, that's not manageable. Right. You can't call everybody and say, hey, we have this new field. You got to do this. You can't you can do all sorts of little software management tricks and say, all right, here we go. Here is an upcoming update, whatever update by now. But the way we look at it is say, let's just anticipate that's 
going to change. And every one of those point solutions that is involved in those integration points may change at any point and involve new attributes. What we say is, let's use AI to map those, right? And our anticipation is always that there is a review process. So my advice to anybody looking at using AI today for anything is to say, look, use it, but don't expect that you're going to use it and it's going to solve all your problems. Always have somebody there, a real human reviewing it, which happens already, whether you're using AI or not, you're always going to review something for you, a product for you published to your website. So now well, we're yeah, saying- that's part of the, that's part of the issue, right? There's also the sense of wonder and magic that comes with it. Look, if you were operating a coal mine and you had a new coal miner, you'd probably want to watch what that person was doing because they don't know the operation, right? We talk about machine learning and AI in terms of training and everything else. But at the end of the day, you're still putting a new agent in the mix. Exactly. And that creates... And it's to this day, as impressive as AI is, it's not, it's not a trustworthy agent. You talk to these chatbots like ChatGPT, it's not. And they don't claim it's 100% accurate. And not even close. In fact, when OpenAI released ChatGPT was whatever, eight months right. ago now, I think, they explicitly said, we were surprised people liked it as much as they did. And it's not that accurate. There's always going to be a reviewer in place, at least for the foreseeable future. And so the way we look at it is, let's look at the existing processes that have been in place for a while. Let's structure those and let's figure out where AI applies and let's apply it there. Maybe it's data scrubbing. Maybe it's integrations, which are two things that I mentioned we use it for. So th those are the ways that we look to use it. But also, even in the world of integrations, in terms of a lot, of, there's been a lot of buzz lately about AI can write now write code. Okay, sure. We use that, but we review it, right? We look at it and go, all right, did it do what I wanted? Did it pass the tests that we needed to pass in order to move this data accurately? So I think it's really a matter of just, uh, I think there's a lot of magic around it and a lot of just people looking at it and saying, how do I use this? And they're trying to fit it in everywhere they can. And the obvious choice is to say, put GPT on the end of the product title and, and we'll make a chat interface. But really, I think the way, and look, there's marketing. Yeah. There's some wow factor there when you market it that way. But if you really want to make it useful, I think look at your existing life cycle and say, where can I plug it in to automate some of the things that I'm doing now? And now I'm just reviewing what it's doing versus doing it manually isn't it funny 20 20 years ago i was doing machine learning and data science before data science was coined right and when people would ask me about ai and how that differed from machine learning my my canned response was hey yeah machine learning is the all the parts you know about ai that aren't bullshit and now there's this reverse Kind of trend where you know people who've been doing statistics and machine learning for a long old time are like wow let me slap ai or gpt in front of it and capture the buzz yeah. funny stuff hey look wally this is i love this conversation i'm enjoying it i'd really love to invite you back and and also invite our listeners to, to send us some feedback because there's a lot more to discuss about when and when not to and how to use machine learning and AI in our systems and integrations and such. But 
I think we're getting a little short on time. Brett, how are we doing? Uh, that, that was it. Yeah, it's probably good to wrap it up here. As you mentioned, we can, you guys, I'm sure, could keep going for a long time. So we would oh, love yeah. to have Wally back. But Wally, like thank you very much conversation. for oh, yeah. thanks for joining us and being here. It was very good conversation, and thank you, listeners, as well, for being here and for your support of the Unlock Digital Commerce podcast. Be on the lookout for a new episode soon. In the meantime, be sure to check out Rotizio.com for more resources and solutions to help you unlock digital commerce for your business. Talk to you soon.